Okay, welcome, 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 welcome. Let's try that one more time. Welcome. welcome. All right. Bienvenidos. Allo tout moon. I, we, I was in Haiti last week and with my wife, and uh, we thanks for praying with us. Our church goes in, uh, two or three times a year, actually now more, uh, six or seven times a year. Someone's going down to Haiti. And it was uh, such a privilege for us to be the first church to support and get behind a church plant there, uh, a church that now is... Uh, Oh my, in 10 years, it's, it's, it's very large, not only in numbers, but influence, more importantly, influence in Haiti. And there's also a couple orphanages that we support. It's great to be down there. I understand you were in good hands here while I was gone on Sunday morning. And so, uh, praise the Lord for that. Men, so we have a men's breakfast coming I think in two weeks, in two Saturdays. And the speaker is a dear friend of mine. Uh, he and his wife, uh, Brian and Betty, friends with uh, Steffi and I. They, speaking of missions, they were, I think, the first uh, mission that we ever supported. I think we've been supporting them since day one. It's a church plant in Peru. Our church has been there several times, although not recently. And uh, Brian was the, the speaker at our first men's retreat. And uh, to this day, although I've, I've loved all our men's retreat speakers, I mean, I, he was my favorite. He's just so raw with the men. And uh, he will be speaking men. So sign up in the back. Uh, please don't do the sign up for the last second thing. I, I, I know I've shared this so many times, but I think each men's breakfast, we have a couple a year, two or three a year, that you guys are trying to set a record for most sign-ups in the last 48 hours. Uh, like literally from 8 to 42. We, that, we see that. We see that kind of thing. But the sign-ups in the back, they'll also be going out online, and that's the men's breakfast and then all of you who would like to join us for the ministry meeting, that is this Saturday. Everyone's invited for it's a dinner. It's a potluck uh, dinner. The details are in the bulletin. Okay, we are in John going through the book of John. Please rise for the reading of God's word. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. We are in John at the end of John 13, it's, we're going to carry into John chapter 14. If you need your, a Bible, raise your hand. Anyone else, a Bible? John chapter 13, verse 33, this is Jesus speaking. He's at the Last Supper, and he's, uh, he, he is going to be finishing up his dialogue at the Last Supper before going to the Garden of Gethsemane. But here we have it. We're in verse 33. He says this, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. 
You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. Chapter 14, verse 1. Remember, there is no chapter breaks when this was written. Let, your, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, which means dwellings, houses. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this word, Lord. It's To some of us, it's new. To others, we've read, read these verses a hundred times. And I th- but I thank you, Lord, that by your Spirit, the Word can always be new. Always. Every time we look at it, it can be new because it's living. It's active. It wants to do a new work, a Word, than, than the same Word might have done, I don't know, a year ago, five years ago, 20 years ago. And Lord, that, that's our prayer. That's our expectation. for your word to do a new work in us, whether we've heard it before or not. Lord, that's what we want. We come in here in a place of need, Lord. Anybody in here who does not sense that, that need for you, Lord, I pray, Father, you would do that work in their heart right now. Lord, empty us of all our self-sufficiency, but that we would also know At the same time, you meet all our needs, Lord, with your glorious riches, the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And I just pray, uh, Lord, you would have your way in this church and every church in the city declaring your word today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. You may be seated. 
So again, the Last Supper, really when reading these verses here in John 13 and into 14 and into chapter 15, they should all be interpreted in light of chapter 13, verse 1, where this whole scene of the Lord's Supper begins in the book of John, where it says in John 13, verse 1, the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Keep that in mind as you hear and listen and read the verses that we'll be in today. will be mostly in chapter 14, but we began in verse 33 where Jesus says to them, Last Supper has ended, the Passover feast, their Passover feast had ended. He's talking with them. He had washed their feet. There had been an argument about who was the greatest. Jesus responded to the argument, not by sort of rebuking them, but by getting up, taking off his outside uh, garment, uh, girding himself with the towel, getting on his knees, washing their feet. That has just occurred. And then he says in verse 33, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews... Where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give you. That you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. And Simon Peter said to him, verse 36, Lord, where are you going? Now that's interesting because that verse, that new commandment, is a big deal. We spent a whole sermon on it, a whole message on it two weeks ago. If you weren't here, you may want to get the message. It's online. Uh, verse 34, Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you. That's a, that's a whole new deal, a whole new thing. Loving one another was not a new thing. Loving one another like I have loved you, that's a whole new thing, a whole new command that they are given. And so it's so important, incredibly, uh, uh, hugely, massively important thing. Peter doesn't even hear it. It goes in one ear and out the other. It says, in, it, 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 he, he, he hears this new commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Uh, what might have been good to say is, well, what exactly uh, do you mean by that? How do you love us? He doesn't say that. He, he, what he says is, wait a second, where are you going? Now, so the reason that new commandment w went in one ear and out the other was because before Jesus gave the new commandment, that is in verse 33, he said, I'm going. And where I go, you cannot go. So right then, Peter's, Peter's in a funk. He goes right into a funk. Ever, this ever happened to you? You're in school or whatever. Maybe you're in here and so something is said. And you don't hear anything for five minutes because of something that was said. 
And, and that's what's happening right here. In a little while, I'm going, Jesus said. So into the funk he goes. And then Jesus says, a new command I give you to love one another and like, as I loved you. But then Jesus, uh, Peter responds rather and says, where are you going? Where are you going? And Jesus responds, verse 36, middle of verse 36, where I'm going. You cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. And Peter said to him, verse 37, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for your sake. I will lay down my life for you. And Peter, uh, Jesus says in verse 38, oh, will you? Will you really lay down your life for me, Peter? Most assuredly, I say to you, meaning, listen now, Peter, and listen really carefully. The rooster shall not crow three times till you have denied me. Rather, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. That, by the way, is the best that you can do in your own strength. The best that you can do in your own strength is deny Jesus over and over and over again. I really mean that. You will find this out really quick, <laughs> that without Jesus, without the life of God, without the power of God, your life is just all going to be about denying God. As soon as Jesus left, Peter denies. The Bible says, so did all the disciples forsook him. All of them, not just, not just Peter, all of them, it says. So then in chapter 14, Jesus says this, verse 1, let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. Why do you say that? Because their hearts were troubled. Why were their hearts troubled? There's probably many reasons. I'll, I'll give you two. One, they loved him so much they had never been loved by anyone or anything. <laughs> like they had been loved by God, by Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh. He had loved and loved and loved and loved. And, and what happens when someone loves you and loves you and loves and, and, and dies for you, loves in such a way they're dying for you, loves in such a way they're dying for you, love, love? What happens? You love them back. That's what makes Christianity so unique. We obey not based on the law. We're not, no longer under the law, the Bible says. We obey because of love. They're troubled because he's saying he's going and they love him. But there's another reason they're troubled. And that is a much more sort of, uh, what would you say, down-to-earth, practical reason. Life with Jesus, without Jesus there physically present, would be a terrifying thing for them. 
They'd been with him for three years. And we've been working our way through the book of John. And repeatedly, what have we seen? We've seen religious leaders, scribes, Pharisees, Sadducees following him around, trying to trap him. In Psalm chapter 22, verse, verses 12 and 13, there's actually a description of these men who are following Jesus around, hounding him. It says they were like roaring and raging bulls. You can read that in Psalm 22, verse, 20, uh, verse uh, 12 and 13, which is a prophetic psalm of Jesus on the cross. It says that strong bulls of Bashan surrounding, raging and roaring bulls. Now, have any of you been around a bull? Who's been around? Who's been up close to a bull? Some of you are bulls. But I'm not talking about that. <laughs> who's been close to a bull? Who's been close to a raging bull? Anybody been close to a raging bull? Oh, I have one. Any, any, anyone else been close to a raging bull? A two? They're both from, one's from Mexico, one's from Colombia. Any, anyone else? <laughs> so, when, uh, so when I was a kid, here's my raging bull story. I grew up in the western suburbs of Boston, moved away when I was nine, and I moved to Venezuela, South America. And my dad, God bless him, I'm so thankful for my father. Uh, he, he moved down there and, uh, to Caracas, and, and he didn't move us into the, sort of the enclave, the suburb where all the Americans lived. And, and it's not meant at all to be a criticism of that, because that's a good, safe place. Uh, Venezuela is not a safe place now. It was a lot safer then. But um, he, we, we lived way outside the city. And he would take us into the countryside on a jeep, and he would be, we'd be up on mountains in a Jeep, and my brother and I would be so scared that we would actually get off the Jeep and follow behind. That's what, 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 what we did, and God bless you. My dad, by the way, is always the first person to listen online to the sermons on Sunday afternoon. I love you, Dad, if you're listening. I know you're listening. But uh, uh, one time he, he took us out into a rural area, area and there's, there's this thing in Venezuela, it's called a coleo. Remember that, Santa? Coleo, ever hear that? Any of you Colombians? Colombians, Venezuelans. Coleo. Como? It's coleo. See, there you have. La Colombiana ahí. Ella sabe. A coleo. <laughs> Thank you. Gracias. <laughs> and so, um, a, a coleo is, it, it's, it's what it is, if you've seen the bulls of Pamplona in Spain, it's, they're kind of similar. What they are is, is they're a, a narrow, long, uh, about 100 yards of fences. There's two fences that run for about 100 yards, but it's very narrow. I would say, like in between these two pillars here, very narrow. The one I went to, if I remember correctly, it was wooden. And the people get on to, they, they <laughs> They get on top of these fences. They sit on top of them. Now, uh, at the very end, they take a bull, a raging bull, and they open up a gate, and the bull takes off through this narrow path. He's followed by a couple horse riders. The horse riders, what they do, and, and I, I'm so, I look, I'm not making excuses. I was taken to this, okay? So don't blame me for attending. I was only 10. They grab the 
tail of the bull and they wrestle it to the ground. And I remember one time, and they do this after, you know, it's a very dangerous thing. Obviously, people are injured. But I remember being outside, milling around, there's crowds of people, and these two guys were pulling in a bull, like this massive bull. And they're pulling it to the gate, and it didn't want to go to the gate. And all of a sudden, that rope snapped, and that bull just went right into the it trampling in the car, uh, 15 yards away. And this is a terrifying thing to a 10-year-old kid. A raging bull. That's who had been following Jesus around for three years. And the disciples knew who would dispatch of them every single time. It was Jesus. Every time they tried to trap him, he confounded them. Every little trick they made, he solved the trick and turned it right back on them to the point where it says, after this time, they asked no questions of him Again, that's why we worship Jesus. We read through the word. He's got wisdom like no one has ever lived has. But, but it says in, in so, so just think about it though. These, this is a, 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 in many respects, compared to living in the United States of America, this was a barbaric place. It says John chapter five, verse um, 18. This is at the beginning of, uh, of John. It says, Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him. Now now keep in mind that they know who the disciples are. And then it says in John chapter 8, same thing. They took up stones to throw at him. This is what we've been reading throughout the book of John. In John chapter 10, verse 31, again, it says, Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. And Jesus is saying, a little while, in a little while, I'm gone. And so, why are they troubled? Verse 1 of chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. They're terrified. They also love this guy. But even, but, but, but he, perhaps even worse than that is something Jesus had just told them that doesn't appear in the text here in John. It appears in Matthew. After Jesus told Peter, most assuredly I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. We see in the book of Matthew uh, this verse, Matthew 26 verse 35, um, uh, Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. So, in other words, right after, in the book of Matthew, it records this, right after uh, Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me. He says, no, I'm not. Even after I have to die, I'll not deny you. And so said all the disciples. And then we read, I believe it's Matthew as well, that all the, Jesus said, all of you will forsake me. All of you, not just Peter, all of you. Why is their heart troubled? Their hearts also troubled because they knew 
well enough by now that when Jesus said something, it was going to happen. The fact that this man they loved so much, who's loved them more than anyone who has ever loved them, is about to leave. They're going to be uh, chased themselves by raging bulls. At least one of them was going to die really soon, uh, relatively soon after the crucifixion. So the threat was, physical threat was real. But then having Jesus tell them, you're all going to forsake me. They're upset. But he says, let not your heart be troubled. Do you know that when God sees your troubled heart, when God sees your troubled heart, when he sees it, he doesn't look at you and say, oh, oh, a troubled heart. Just move on. Somebody does. The Bible doesn't say that. It says, chapter 13, verse 1, those he loved, he loved his own and he loved them to the end. He speaks, he wants to speak truth into your upset, troubled heart. If you're here this morning, the word of God was given to us to speak into your troubled heart and God actively, actively does that with the, the son or daughter who is troubled. He does not remain silent. He cares for you. In fact, he's troubled. He's agitated when he sees your troubled, upset heart. Comfort. Yes, comfort my people. God commanded Isaiah to say to the children of Israel in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, comfort. Say to them, comfort. Comfort my people. Speak comfort. Isaiah 40, verse 1. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 3 the, calls God the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He does not stay silent when your heart is troubled. Some of you here today, you have troubled hearts. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, 350 times. The Bible mentions the word rejoice or joy. It's not even including stuff like joyfully and things like that. 350 times. We're commanded to rejoice. It's our duty as uh, children of God to rejoice. First Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always. And, and Jesus doesn't see us depressed and discouraged and say, what's wrong with you? Snap out of it, enough already. He doesn't do that. He gets it. He knows our frame. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 4, I think it is. He knows our frame. He knows what it's like to be us, to be you. So in all, in, in all temptations, he was tempted, tr tried like us. And, and he wants to speak into it. Let not your heart be troubled. Now, what's the solution? What's the solution for a troubled heart? Verse 1 of chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. 
let not your heart be troubled. Believe. Believe what? We're going to talk about that. He's going he's to tell them what they need to believe. But I want to just pause for, for a, a few seconds here and remind you, as your pastor, I have to remind you, I must remind you, that if you're not reading the Bible daily, treating the Bible like you treat your daily f- food, don't be surprised if your heart remains troubled. Don't, don't come up to me and say, I'm really, really upset and troubled. My heart is, if you've been out of the word, actually, you can come up to me, but I'm going to tell you, have you been in the word? <laughs> Treat the Bible as your daily food. Why? Because it's, he says, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in me. The only way we know, brothers and sisters, what to believe about him is if we're reading about him and what he tells us. So believe what? Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in me. Believe what? Okay, well, that's what the next few verses are about. Let's read them. Here's what he tells them to believe so their hearts would not be troubled. Verse 2, in my Father's house are many mansions. A, a, a mansion, the idea here is, is, is a dwelling place, a house. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And the way, you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So let's take those one at a time. I read four. You you may read five. Come and tell me after the sermon if you see a fifth one. But here here we go. Um, I'm just breaking them out. If you're taking notes... Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe me. What about me? Number one, in my father's house, verse two, are many mansions. A mansion is a dwelling place. A dwelling place with God. I want you to underline that word, many. You know how many times, and, and I, I was here at one point too, I'd speak with someone, and particularly someone in the first five, six years, four to six years um, of their walk with God, and this is people who are moving forward with God during that four, five or six years. I also talk to people who are, call themselves a Christian for 20 and 25 years, but they've never moved forward, so they're still struggling with the same things that a, a brand new believer struggles with. But four, five, six years into the faith, I will talk to a believer who just thinks there's some flaw in their salvation, meaning they're not saved. And they're like, uh, they, they think they're under a curse or something. And you know, Jesus talks about the un- unforgivable sin. Surely in some way I've done that. 
Now, now the truth of the matter is people thinking about those things almost never are not saved because they're thinking about those things. The very fact you're thinking about those things means you're saved. The Spirit of God in you is seeking God, seeking a rest with God. But, but, but the point, I, reason I want you to underline the word many, heaven is not just for those narrow, narrow few people. There's a cults out there that think like 144,000. Well, there's 144,000. My odds are not good because there's billions of people on the earth now, not to mention all the people in the last, whatever, 6,000 years. Uh, actually, the book of Revelation in chapter 5 says there's tens of millions upon tens of millions of millions of human beings, men and women, bowing down in heaven to God. Don't let your heart be troubled. If you, by faith, have given your life to Jesus and made him Lord and King of your life, believing that he lived for you, died for you, and rose from the dead for you, you have a mansion in heaven. That's what the Bible says. That's what Jesus said. Let not your heart be troubled. He says, the next thing, let not your heart be troubled. Number two, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe me when I tell you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. Verse two. Now, I love what Keith Green uh, says about this. If you don't know Keith Green, I really want you to know Keith Green. He's one of my heroes. He's a, he's, a, he's a Christian music artist, died when he was 28. The music that he, he wrote and sang is just mind-boggling. I, mean, I, I know this is just me, and it's my opinion, and music, many different tastes, but I, I, he's just such passion. He's one of my heroes. Keith Green. You just got to get over the 80s sound for a while. After you listen to it like three times, you'll get over the 80s thing. And, and, and really, it'll take you to a place of worship. But I like what he says about this verse. He says this, Keith Green, he said, look, you know, God took six days to create the, the world. And look out there. I mean, it's pretty incredible. Can you imagine 2,000 years? Don't let your heart be troubled. I'm preparing a dwelling place for you. Number three, and this is from verse three, don't let your heart be troubled because I will come again and I'll receive you to myself so that where I am there, you may be also. So here, he says to them, I'm going away, but I will come again. Now, there's a short-term fulfillment of that, and there's a long-term, more long-term, future fulfillment of that. The short-term fulfillment of Jesus' promise, I will come again, is right there in verse 16, same chapter, chapter 14. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says that after he ascends to the Father, he said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. Actually, the word, uh, some of you have the word in your Bibles, comforter. 
I think that's a better translation. Comfort. God wants to comfort you. You don't have to have a troubled heart. I'll pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, speaking of the Holy Spirit, that he may abide, live with you forever. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So with the Holy Spirit, when someone does say, yeah, Jesus, please come in. I want to make you my king. At that moment, the Bible says the Holy Spirit invades that life purges that life, meaning getting, gets rid of all the sin, the ugliness, anything that is going to prevent entry into heaven. And at that point, at that moment in time, the Father, the heaven, the way they look at you is perfect and blameless before the Father. The Bible says that when the Holy Spirit comes in and does that washing of regeneration, he stays with you. And it says in the Bible, that he stays with you in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't understand. I can't fully explain the Trinity. There's three persons, yet one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you, is what he says. And so that's the near-term fulfillment. But there's a longer-term fulfillment as well. The longer term uh, fulfillment uh, is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16. And it says this. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church in Thessalonica, who by the way were troubled. (laughs) They were troubled in their heart. And this is what he gave them to comfort them. He said this, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, meaning Jesus is going to return. Don't be upset. Don't be troubled. He's going to return. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, here's that word again, comfort one another with these words. Now, I I tell you, I, I confess to you, I'm one of those God, I want to see what I have now type of guys. And I don't spend enough time. The Bible instructs me to be meditating about his return. He's coming back. It's not just an isolated verse, by the way. It's repeatedly, Jesus says it himself, I'm coming back. He's coming back. And when we're heart, our hearts are troubled, oh man, we need to take time. And I, I, am, I am so deficient in these areas. I have brothers, brothers and sisters who are really, they're, they're very heaven is coming minded. Jesus is coming minded. I, I want to be more like that, but I, I need to, to reflect on that um, uh, more. But can we have the, uh, Sean, can we have the, all four of them? So Jesus says, don't stay where you're at with these troubled hearts. Believe me, specifically what? 
Number one, in my father's house, there are many mansions. A mansion is a prepared dwelling place. Number two, I go to prepare a place for you. Number three, I will come again and receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And then number four, it says, there's another one, the fourth one. You know the way that I'm going. You know the way that I'm going. That's what he says in verse four. He says, don't be upset. Don't let your heart be troubled. Where I go, you know. And the way, you know. And of course, Thomas at that point says, what do you mean we know where you're going? What? How we, we don't know where you're going. And if we don't know where you're going, how do we know the way you're going? And Jesus says what? This, this very well-known verse, and, and if it's not well-known to you, make it a friend, make it well-known to you. It's such a rich verse. He says, I am the way. The truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Don't let your heart be troubled. Believe me. Believe that I'm the way. I'm the way to the Father. He's going to go on and say, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. Don't let your heart be troubled. If, if your heart is troubled, today. God wants to speak into it, into that heart. doesn't want you to leave here. If you're, if you're in a place of joy this morning, God bless you. That's your right and your privilege as a child of God to be in a place of joy. If you're, if you're in a place um, uh, where your heart is troubled, the Lord wants to, wants to take you out of it. And, and, and am I telling you I'm a man who's, who has joy every day? No, the, the days go by where my heart is troubled. There's no joy there. But the lack of joy is a barometer. It's a sign that I need to be going to the Lord and saying, Lord, speak into my life, speak into my heart. My heart's troubled. As we want to close in worship now. If the worship team can come up, as we close in worship, I just... I just want it to be a time where we, if you have a troubled heart, that you present your troubled heart to God as the worship team presents, as they worship, as they lead us in worship. If you've been asked to pray, if you could come up at this point, if there's something that you'd like to, to pray through, you can't shake loose that troubled heart. I know that well. You just can't shake it loose. Well, we're a family here, and if we can't be vulnerable before a family, we're never going to be vulnerable. So, so come up and, 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 and pray. I'll be up here as well, praying. We want to leave here today without troubled hearts. We want to be in that place of joy, not that giddy thing, but that place of strength that comes from inside of us, from the place that the Holy Spirit is, it dwells inside of us. It's that place of strength. So why don't we rise, actually, for the closing worship song.
I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray and close in prayer, and then I, and then we're gonna worship. And if you'd like to come forward to pray, please do. Father, we thank you. We thank you just for for leading us through. these verses this morning. Father, we thank you that when you see us with a troubled heart, when you see us vexed in our spirit, frustrated in our spirits, you don't pass by. You don't say, oh, another one of them. Someone who doesn't get it. No, you, you, you become troubled, the word says. You become agitated. until you see the joy in us, Lord. We know that delights you. You know that you are glorified most when we are most satisfied and most rejoicing in you. Whatever may be going on in our, in our life, whatever good reason there may be to be troubled, that's, that's your heart for us, Lord. I just pray, Lord, that you'd continue this, that work as we as we worship, as we pray.